Hello, and welcome to episode 30 of Talk Witchcraft Podcast. In this episode, Maggie and I will be talking about how to be a proud witch and coming out of the broom closet. You're listening to Talk Witchcraft. On this podcast, we talk about witchcraft as a lifestyle and discover how to merge magic into your daily life. Every week, we'll demystify witchy topics like tarot, astrology, crystals, herbs, and more as you develop your personal brand of magic and create the life of your dreams. We're We're your your hosts, hosts, the Mystic Mystic Sisters, Sisters, Erica and Maggie. So in the first segment of the show, we choose a tarot card for the week and we look for moments that relate to this card in our daily lives. So for this episode, we are choosing the five of wands, and the theme of this card is different perspectives, all competing for attention. So one time I saw a caption of this card that said, stupid tent, and for anyone who has ever put up a tent while camping can probably relate, especially if there are a bunch of people trying to put it up together. There's usually one person barking orders and someone is angry due to frustration. There's some joker on the side who's trying to lighten the mood. And then there's like this anxious person who just wants everyone to get along. Yeah. Working together as a team is a challenge. And especially if there are too many cooks, so to speak, what would be more effective here is for each person to put down their stick and then each go one at a time sharing the plan for action. When there are too many people trying to take the lead, it is helpful to let everyone share and decide how to proceed as a group. So a lot of people think this is a fight, and in some ways it could be, but in other ways it's just too many perspectives, and they're all trying to be the most important one. They're trying to have the most attention, and it's five people who think their way is the right way, and they are being unwilling to change their perspective in any way. So Erica and I have a shared story for the five of wands because she and I are a family. So we are talking about our family (laughs) with the perspectives. So uh, the, the term too many cooks is just perfect for our family, especially our grandmother, who was in fact a fabulous cook who passed on her love of cooking to her daughter, our mom, and to Maggie and I, her granddaughters. And, um, she would say this all the time when she, when she was in the kitchen, the kitchen was her domain. And if there were too many people trying to do different things, she would yell at us to get out of the kitchen. (laughs) And, um, but then of course, you know, do the passive aggressive thing of, you know, why is nobody helping me? <laughs> right. <laughs> wanting help, but not wanting help. Exactly. <laughs> but our family is just like a family of leaders and everybody. It's this, It's the same with um, when we tried to play games and things. Everybody wants to explain the rules at the same time. And if someone doesn't know how to play and we're trying to explain the rules to them, you know, they are, end up more confused than when they started because everybody's explaining the rules in their own way because their way to explain the rules is the best way. Yeah, I, my poor ex, she comes from this very passive family and didn't really like playing games and especially didn't like playing games with the Hazeman family <laughs> because of that exact reason. She would just get so overwhelmed and not... Um, not just not want to play because there are too many people trying to tell her how to play and 
she was very independent and wanting to learn it on her own. And I think because of Lily, Lily, we uh, started the trend of, so it's Maggie's game. So Maggie gets to explain the rules. Yeah. But then it would never work. work. (laughs) Maggie would start explaining the rules. Me, I would start explaining the rules. And uh, then it would devolve (laughs) into everybody else (laughs) wanting to explain the rules. So that's the idea here with the five of wands is just everybody wanting to share their perspective and talking over each other. Um, And it works for our family. Like we grew up that way and it's just the way we are. It it helped me become a leader and stand up for myself and um, speak, you know, speak loudly so that people could hear me, uh, which I had trouble with when I was younger. So learning how to just like talk over others (laughs) helped me to learn how to talk or stand up for myself. Yeah. Because in in our family, you would easily be steamrolled if you didn't jump in. Yeah. And if you don't finish your thought or if you pause for too long, someone else is going to jump in. So you also have to learn how to speak really quickly and get your point out or someone else is going to talk over you. (laughs) Yeah. And you can hear we're laughing. We love our family. (laughs) Oh, yes, absolutely. This is all fun and, and, you know, reflection of our childhood and why we are the way that we are. We absolutely love it. Yeah. So that's our quick story about the five of wands. And um, if you have a story about any of the cards that we've talked about, don't forget to message or send us an email, send us a voicemail at we listen at talkwitchcraft.com. So let's switch to our main topic to for this week. Sounds good. As we mentioned at the beginning, today we're going to share with you why we're proud to be witches why you can be proud too, and some tips for coming out of the broom cupboard. So we'll share a couple of reasons why we are proud to call ourselves witches. And the first is because witchcraft is sort of like a doorway. Like I see witchcraft as an entryway into something bigger. Um, We each start down this path. Anyone who calls themselves a witch comes down this path uh, with a different area of focus. So for me personally, I started by thinking about crystals and energy work. Other people might come in through astrology or tarot or herbalism or any other number of interests. But what what unites us all as witches is this use of magic and developing our intuition and um, discovering who we are as a person, this self-knowledge. Yeah, um, I totally agree with that. For me, my um, I started with astrology. Um, I remember there we were on a trip to Pagosa Springs to go to the hot springs. And in the gift shop was the only astrology book you'll ever need. And I'd already been, you know, interested in the Zodiac and, um, but that, that was my gateway, (laughs) my gateway book. Um, and for me, it's about, um, reflecting on who you are. That's where the, the Zodiac really came into play for me was, uh, learning how these celestial bodies create and mold who I am so that I can then learn about my strengths and my weaknesses and try to change or enhance or grow from. And, um, you know, if you think about spell work as being similar to prayer or meditation from other practices and religions, 
it's it's all about reflecting on who you are and what what the world is about. Yeah, exactly. And you know, it goes way beyond just like a pretty aesthetic or like an Instagram, you know, perfected perfected Instagram page or anything like that. It's it's more than just like the tools that we use and the materials that we use. It's something that kind of leads us into like the everything and the nothingness of the universe and the wholeness of the universe. So when we start down this path of witchcraft and when we start discovering like who we are, like you're talking about, it helps us to discover that inner wisdom that we have. Like we already hold that inside of ourselves and it helps to connect us to that collective unconscious reclaiming our power. And we, that gives us the power to, solve any problems that arise in our lives so yeah witchcraft is a doorway and i think that's really cool yeah for sure the next uh area that i'm proud of is that it connects us to nature it gives us a sense of wholeness with the world i remember um when i really started studying the wheel of the year and the sabbats and realizing that the terms for the summer and winter solstice were called midsummer and midwinter. And it completely shifted my entire view of when the start of the seasons were, was. And that at the summer solstice, it wasn't the first day of summer as I've always been, you know, thought and believed. Um, but it was actually the highest point, the pinnacle of summer, the, the most summer energy that we're going to have for the year, which means the first day of summer is actually in May, which means that the first day of spring is in February. So it's, it's not about the start of the season being when it's the most that season, because if you think of it like a bell curve that, um, we're always ramping into and drifting out of something. And so that was an eye-opening moment for me. Yeah, that's uh, that's so interesting with the names midwinter and, and midsummer and all that. And why would that be the first day of those seasons? Um, and it's because that's what our ancestors called them. And we changed. We should look up why why they changed it. But for me, you know, journeying into witchcraft helped me to remember that I am, you know, a mortal in the world, not immortal. I am a mortal and that we're all in this together. None of us is above the laws of nature. And the, the biggest thing that helped me to see that was when I broke my back and I couldn't go to work. I couldn't really move. I had to just kind of like lay flat all the time. So I would take my yoga mat outside and some pillows and I would just lay on the front lawn and look at the sky and um, I had a ton of time to just like think about things and watch the world go by. And I was doing this for basically the entire spring season. So I noticed how things changed, how the winter branches, they were bare and the grass was yellow. And as the days went by, I, know, I saw the um, flowers bud out and there was the little pink and purple flowers. They'd fall and then the leaves came and added some shade to my sunny patch on the front lawn. And so, and I was noticing how this was changing um, 
the way that I was feeling and the way that I was healing as well. Because by the time that summer came around, I wasn't you know, totally healed, but it was like I kind of absorbed the sun. Um, as the sun got stronger, I also got stronger. And that just really helped me remember again that I'm not I'm, I'm a mortal being and I'm fragile because I broke my back and I'm also part of the world, not separate from nature. For sure. I think that's beautiful and wonderful. And so one of the third reasons that we are proud to be witches is that witchcraft is all about activism and, you know, building community and taking care of other people. Witches have always been activists, you know, witches have always been part of a political movement because our ancestors, you know, the government would react to powerful women and powerful healers and, and men, wise women and men, and they would call them witches. And that was supposed to be a way to disempower them. And in that sense, more women and more people would turn to witchcraft to react to that oppression. So being a proud witch really just means that you're connected with those ancestors in this meaningful way, that you're honoring their struggles and you're honoring the struggles of other people who you may not directly be related to, but have had struggles in the world, and that you're facing the challenges of today as a new generation so that in the future, new generations can live in a better world and there won't be these oppressive forces. Yeah, sure. The the witches both self-identified and called by outsiders um were the outcasts of the world they were the people the marginalized people the weird ones the you know just the people who lived on the outskirts of the of the community and because of that they had to learn to stand up for themselves they had to learn to stand up for others they had to um, really stick their necks out and sometimes to the detriment of themselves and to the community, um, but also to the betterment of the community to make it uh, a better place for the next generation and uh, to, to continue growing and learning and changing. My One of my favorite Disney songs is from The Hunchback of Notre Dame that song, God Help the Outcasts. And it really speaks to that point of, you know, we're, we're all in this together, as Maggie has said, we're all um, struggling in our own way. And the ways that witches can help that is to stand up and say, I'm here, I'm listening, I will fight for you. Yeah, exactly. And, and you can see it throughout history that there's, you know, um, pe people using witchcraft against evil kings. There's a lot of witchcraft practices that came out of the um, slave trade in the early history of America. And there's witches used magic against Nazis in Germany. There's all sorts of examples of people turning to magic when it felt too hard where it felt like there was no hope and they could turn to witchcraft as a way to give them hope. Um, and then, and even in like more recent history in like the sixties, there were witches using magic to help pro with progress towards more rights, more human rights for all people. There were, um, and even like with um, 
more religious freedom, which is we're at the forefront of religious freedom for all because, you know, making Wicca into an actual religion that was recognized by the state um, also created space for um, religious freedom for other religions as well. So throughout history, you can find examples of witches and activism and building community and creating betterment, more human rights for all people. Yeah. And yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about some more modern time things that have happened, you know, groups of people coming together in a collective um, chanting or um, meditation to protect, to bind, you know, there's studies after studies about the collective unconscious working together to actually create change. Like it's not just a make-believe thing that we pretend is happening. When enough minds come together with common purpose, change happens and usually for the good. Yeah. And that's that's like what Starhop talks about with the cone of power, like building power into this like you start at the base with the circle of people and then it meets at the tip in a cone and that focused energy at the tip of the cone is like directed towards whatever your intention is and that can be really really powerful so that's three reasons why maggie and i are proud of being a witches and you can take some time to meditate and reflect maybe journal about what makes you proud of being a witch and if you are feel comfortable sharing with us uh, you can always email us and let us know. Um, and maybe we will read some of those reasons on a podcast someday. So this episode is brought to you by Marigold. And there are some confusing things about this plant, the word marigold. This is exactly what Erico is always saying about using the um, Latin name for the plants so that you know exactly what you're talking about because oftentimes calendulas are also called marigolds. And so we're going to talk about both marigolds from the Tajitis family and also marigolds in the calendula family because they do have similar magical and medicinal properties. Um, so Erica, you tell us about those medicinal properties and then I will share the magical properties. Okay, so... Calendula is used more often in herbalism because um, calendula is edible and mar some marigolds are and some marigolds are very toxic. So it's just easier to stay away from the marigolds of the Tajitis family and just use the calendula marigold instead. They are cousins. They are both members of the Asteraceae family or the daisy family, but marigolds are the Tajitis genus and calendulas are of the calendula genus. So that's where they differ. Um, so for marigolds, they can serve as an aromatic, a digestive, a diuretic, and a sedative. You can use of the French marigold in particular, you can put it in uh, drinks and the leaves can be used as food flavoring. The essential oils are also really good for all of those uses that I mentioned before. And they are really easy to grow. They love the sun. 
and they are um, great insect deterrents. They, mosquitoes hate them. Most bugs hate them. They are very um, bitter in taste and, and their smell is not something that insects like to be around. So if you have a bug problem in your yard, plant all of the marigolds. Calendula is similar. They also have that insect deterrent quality to them. And their flowers are also what we're going to be using in any of our remedies. But calendula, instead of being about digestion, they are more about being antiseptic, astringent, they're anti-inflammatory, antibacterial. So they're really, really good for cleansing wounds, reducing inflammation, promoting healing and stimulating circulation. So any sort of minor scrape, cut, burn, rash, they're, they're kind of an all, a heal all herb. They're also good for diaper rash for our, our little ones and for the women or women who are breastfeeding, they're good to rub a salve on for sore nipples when you're breastfeeding. You can also combine calendula oil with vitamin E to rub on pregnant bellies so that they are um, not gonna, or it'll help prevent stretch marks from forming. Really good for healing skin wounds of all kinds. And how about those magical qualities, Maggie? Both forms of marigold are associated with the air and fire elements, the sun, Leo, and active energy. So they can be used to correspond with any of these spirit realm entities. The common name for marigold comes from Mary's gold, and it refers to the it first referred to the Virgin Mary and then later Queen Mary of England. So the bright orange and yellow petals are very reminiscent of the sun. And you see these two ladies depicted with like a halo around them in a lot of art forms. So that's where that association comes from. And it's also why this flower can be used to represent the sun in magic workings and for the purposes of warmth or creativity or passion or any of the other purposes that fall within the sun's dominion. And then the flower also resembles a lion's mane, hence the correspondence with Leo energy and everything associated with Leo, like drama, glamour, pride, and confidence. So in general, you can use marigolds to attract any sort of respect or admiration, these things associated with both Leo and the sun. Marigolds are often associated with death and spirit work. So the Tajitis version of marigolds is native to South America and Central America. And the Aztecs considered marigolds to be very sacred, used them in rituals to guide spirits to their altars. And today these same marigolds are used as a part of the Dia de los Muertos activities to help encourage spirits to find their way home. And then calendula marigolds are also often associated with death. You find them as part of funeral flower arrangements, and you can usually see them in grave wreaths and other forms of remembrance. So using them to help with um, spirit work and that kinds of, kind of thing. Marigold, both forms of marigold are 
thought to help with luck. They bring good luck, especially in legal matters or in court. So if you carry the flowers in your pocket, you can ensure that justice will find its way to you. And then they can be used for love spells. If you add an infusion of marigold to a bath, you can um, project into the world that you're that you're searching for love and you're open to finding it. You can also add these flowers to sachets or in as amulets and as incense to attract new love or add life to current relationships. Now, these two flowers are well. The genus of the Tajitis marigold is named for Tages or Tages, and he was an Etruscan prophet, and so that's probably why it is named that way because of its use for encouraging prophetic dreams. If you place it above your bed or in like a dream pillow or under your pillow, and both um, and the calendula can also be used for prophetic dreams as well. Um, probably more likely because it of its close relationship to marigold. Um, so it probably inherited that use later. And then you can use both flowers to protect you while you sleep. And then Erko is talking about the insecticide properties of the Tajitis marigold. And so you can use those flowers also to ward not only against insects, but you can also use it to ward against unfriendly spirits, curses, and psychic attacks if you hang like a garland above your doorway Planting either variety of these flowers by your home can be really protective as well. So you could plant them by a garden gate, the entrance to your home, or right by your front door. I have them by my front door right now. Oh, uh, there you go. So you've <laughs> created a little protective ward. Yeah. Um, and the word calendula comes from little calendar. I thought I'd just throw that in there because I talked about the other names. So I just wanted to share that. <laughs> I like it. So let's get back to our main topic about being a proud witch. We've shared why we're proud of being a witch, but now let's share some tips for how our listeners can also be proud witches as well. Because here's the thing. If you are, if you really value something, if you really believe in what you do, then you want to be proud of it. You want to be proud and you want to shift the perception around witchcraft. So if we start to shift the idea of witches being, you know, delusional or devil worshiping or crazy and turn it into something that is really about the empowerment that witchcraft embodies and that it is divine and that it is used mostly to help people to connect with that inner wisdom that we've been talking about and to share their true sense of self, um, then we want to make sure that we stand proud and we share that we're witches. And so here are some things that you can do to create a new conversation around witchcraft and developing your intuition. What's the first way, Erica? You can talk about how witchcraft has helped you and others. So you can talk about how it's helped your friends and your family. You can share some positive stories with people that you interact with in an effort to shift the global perception. You know, just share times that witchcraft has opened your eyes to something. Share, you know, when you make this realization about your zodiac chart. Any any time that it has brought you comfort or joy or interaction with community, just share it. 
share it with the people around you. Yeah, just the same way that you would share anything else that you're interested in or excited about with the people you care about or even on like social media and stuff like that. Uh, share about your positive experiences with witchcraft and your you can share your negative experiences too. Um, you know, we don't want to. We don't want to have toxic posit- toxic positivity in all of this, <laughs> but. Right. Like, you know, sometimes there's some hard things that come up when you practice witchcraft, but oftentimes those lead to uh, positive changes in your life anyway. And just being open with the things that are happening to you um, about all areas of your life, including witchcraft. What else can you do, Maggie? Well, one other thing you can do is to put it into layman's terms. So if you talk about things in ways that people will understand, uh, it's really helpful and explaining it in in ways that show the similarities. So one example I always think of is that when we're casting a spell or doing something like that, basically it's it's very similar to what someone who's more religious might call a prayer. You're putting out what you want to see in your life to whoever you're talking to, whether that's you know God or the universe or a deity that you work with. And um, or to your your higher self, it just depends on what you believe in. And so talking about things in terms that other people will understand instead of using words like um, the universe and casting a spell, just explain what you're doing. I'm asking the I'm asking for what I want. I'm putting an intention out of what I want to see in my life. Yeah, I think um, anytime you're sharing something new with uh, a, a new with a person, it's important to meet them on their level. So if they have no knowledge in the area, you kind of have to take a step back. And I run into this a lot with my work that I do. I'm a speech language pathologist and there are a bunch of words that in we, it's called professional jargon. And you see, even that is an, is a, word that most people don't use and don't throw around a lot and so when I'm talking with parents who just want to know why their kid's not talking I have to kind of bring it down out of the elite ethers and into the physical world and you know I think back to when I was first talking to my boyfriend about all of this um all, all of my witchcraft stuff. He he's a great conversationalist. He asks all the good questions, but trying to help him understand the zodiac, help him understand what exactly I believe in relation to the world, what witchcraft is to me, all of those things. You kind of just have to bring it down to another level, and and to help them understand. Right. I think that's key meeting people where they are based on, you know, what they've expressed to you. Um, Because especially when you've been studying for a while, oftentimes those words get integrated into your own vocabulary, but someone else might not fully understand, especially if they've never studied witchcraft. And the last thing that you can do is you can lead by example. It's really important to do this so that you can get get other people as enthusiastic about it as you are. If you're really jazzed about all of these things, 
that you're doing and you're excited to share what you've created and what you've done and what you've learned, it's going to instill a sense of enthusiasm in others. And granted, you're always going to come across the skeptic, the devil's advocate, the person who's just going to try and push your buttons because they know that they can. And the best way to work through it is to just keep that enthusiasm to say, you know what, that's not what you believe, but let's at least have a civil conversation about it. Right. And I find that when you're really enthusiastic about something, people are less likely to be that way. You know, if, if you're really excited about someone, something, someone who cares about you is also going to be um, at least like en- enough to listen to you is somebody who is really a skeptical might talk of, if they care about you, they might talk about those skepticisms, but they won't put you down in the process. So I think that's an important thing to remember is that, you know, being excited about something um, can help to, to, in, to facilitate that civil conversation. Um, yeah. So, you know, whenever a new student is attracted into the programs, I really enjoy being able to say that how I'm helping them and, um, and in a way that's, you know, obviously authentic, authentic to myself and genuine and um, in alignment and helping those students to find that authentic, genuine, intuitive state uh, alignment within themselves. Um, because I feel like when, when I'm enthusiastic about how I'm practicing, it helps my students to also be really enthusiastic about it as well. And so that person is going to go out into the world and also be really enthusiastic with the people around them. Um, and I think that that can have a really big impact on how the world perceives witchcraft. So I hope that people will be excited to share their witchcraft practice and just to, to not only change the global perspective of it, but to put more you know, goodness into the world. Yeah, and I think I think that this is a good way to for um, people to come out of the broom closet without it being like this big deal. You know, you can do practical little things of offering magic to people. You know, if you're having a conversation with them, you can just casually mention like, "Oh, you know, that's because you're a." Leo, that's because you're a Capricorn, or is your moon in a what Scorpio? And they're going to be like, I don't know. And that just opens the door for you to start this conversation. You know, I, you could, if you're carrying around crystals and somebody says that they're having a hard time, you can just pull it out and gift it to them and say, and explain how to use it. I remember my roommate was interviewing for a job that she really wanted and I did a little meditation with her and and ritual that was simple and I remember she said afterward that it was really special to her and she had no idea that that's what I was doing so and I gave her we used some salt for her to put her intention for the job into and then she took that salt with her in her pocket and so just little things that you can just do naturally without being like, Hey, here I am. I'm a witch. If that's uncomfortable for you. Yeah. Like what you would do for yourself, if you were going to cast a spell to help you with your job, then doing that for someone else as well. Um, like Erica was saying, and then 
you and all of the little mundane things that we do. We talked about, you know, cleaning and cooking in previous episodes and, you know, telling the people that you live with what you're doing. Like, oh, I infuse these cookies with love. So I hope because I wanted to tell you how much I love you. Um, You know, that's another way to share what your witchcraft practice is all about. Because, you know, by doing all of these little things, we start to change what people think of witchcraft. Um, There's some loud voices that are talking about what creating this narrative around witchcraft. And we can be loud as well. (laughs) We can be loud about what we think witchcraft is and how we want the world to see us. So uh, one time that I was, I had to explain witchcraft to somebody, I, it was kind of funny because I was at a climate change conference in, um, in Washington. That doesn't matter. That's an unimportant detail. (laughs) (laughs) So I was at a climate change conference and we had to buddy up with people at our table. And I ended up being paired with a man. He was probably like in his fifties. He looked very professional businessman. He was there as somebody as like a liaison for his company to learn more about environmental practices that you can bring into your workplace. And um, we were the first thing we were supposed to do was talk about our interests. And I had just really gotten into, you know, developing my tarot practice more. And so I wasn't sure if I should talk about that because I thought I kind of pre prejudged this person based on the way he looked. And so I started kind of easing into it that I was, I, I liked, I can't remember exactly how I described it. But I, but his face kind of lit up and all of a sudden he was like, are you talking about tarot? And he was into it. He really enjoyed tarot himself. And so I thought that was really cool because, you know, I judged him based on the way he looked and it kind of shows that like witches are, can be anybody. And maybe he doesn't call himself a witch, but he was interested in tarot. And I, I kind of keep, I kind of keep track of those faces when I tell people that I'm a witch. Um, the way that they look, especially if they're into it as well, because it helps me to remember why I want to share that with people. Uh, when I when I'm open about myself and people get excited and they want to talk about it a lot, that's encouraging for the next time because it it kind of gives people freedom to also share their you know witchy, mystical, spiritual interests that they might be afraid to share as well. So again, we want to invite you to. Um, connect with what makes you be to be proud to be a witch and what is one way that you can lead the way and re-educate others about witchcraft so that collectively we can shift this perception and we want to continue to create this idea of witchcraft as an empowering practice in spiritual and personal growth. So one thing we thought would be fun is to have um, witches share with us a picture, a selfie of themselves holding the sign witch. And you can email those to us at we listen at talkwitchcraft.com. We'll share your images and show the world what a witch looks like. And you can also tag us in um, on Instagram too with those pictures. Yeah, if you if you want to share the picture yourself, you can tag us at mumbles and things. So now we'll talk about our moon phase assignment for the week, and we're approaching the last quarter moon, which is about sort of the final hurdle before the next cycle. So 
I've I've said it before on the podcast, but I see the two half moons as the first one is something that you're really pushing past to keep your momentum. The second, the last quarter moon is about uh, really pushing to release that. So remembering what those hurdles are and giving yourself the power to actively release it so that it's not a hurdle again the next time we go around the cycle. So at the full moon, we talked about what we were releasing. Is there, um, what was your thing that you were releasing, Erica? I was releasing the sense of my priorities are not other people's priorities. Right. So is there something that you have done so far? And is there anything that you need to do now that's sort of like a final push to release that? Um, I have expressed my frustrations with the people that I was frustrated with um, and talked with them about what was going on and expressed the needs that I needed. Both those conversations went well. Um, and for me, it's just continuing to push to open communication so that resentments don't build up. And you know, last night we were having a discussion about health and diet, and we've been getting uh, HelloFresh boxes, not a ad. Sponsor us, HelloFresh. <laughs> <laughs> and we um, have been talking about how the portion control has been really well. And uh, Kim was mentioning that when she was at her lowest weight, it was when she was eating the most vegetables and wanting to add more vegetables into our diet. And I was having this feeling of they were trying to talk me into something that I didn't want to be talked into that I was already considering and thinking about. And so I just expressed that as saying like, I know that that is not what you're doing, but this is how I'm feeling and this is how I'm processing it. And so I think just having more conversations like that. Yes, that's perfect. So I was releasing the blocks that I had towards calling myself a writer and using the title word witch to help me with that. And I have, I feel more confident calling myself a writer. I feel more, I, I think it's going to be like a long-term thing. I don't think that's going to just happen overnight. Um, although we set a deadline for within a week. So it's been almost a week, but the, the final thing that I'm recognizing is that I, I have like a really messy writing space right, right now. So this kind of goes into the decluttering episode that we talked about where it's just hard to do what you need to do when there's stuff cluttering your space because that translates into stuff cluttering your mind. So that's what I need to do is release the blocks for helping me to actually start writing by you know, decluttering, making the space uh, set up for writing and having like a writing ritual and getting everything set up for myself. So you could say you're getting rid of the mental blocks by getting rid of the physical blocks. Exactly. <laughs> so, and, and I'm a very visual person. So if I, it's, it's sort of like out of sight, out of mind. If I put something in a box, I'll like forget that I even have it. But if it's out in front of me, it's really going to mess with me and I'm going to think about it constantly until it's put away. So uh, yeah, getting rid of those physical blocks. 
now we want to hear from you. If you go to witchwanderer.com, you'll find the latest game. This week, we are answering a question from Nicole who asks, what is the best advice you can give when starting out and how do you stay connected with your practice? So for me, I think it's just to consume as much content as I possibly can, but that's what I do for everything. So I get all of the books and I read all of the articles and I learn everything that I possibly can. Um, the staying connected with my practice is a little harder. I, I don't do the structured ritual as often. Um, and my practice is more in the mundane tasks throughout my day and the little rituals that I can do. Yeah. And I think that that's one, of, that's what I would say is the best way to stay connected with your practice is viewing things that you do all the time as magical and infusing everything you do in your day at, with the magic of your intention um, and not putting so much pressure on yourself to do those rituals all the time, not to discount the power of a ritual, um, but it's a lot easier to stay connected and to continue to feel motivated if you don't put a lot of pressure on yourself about what you expect yourself to do. So I think that that's perfect. And then I would say, um, along with what Erica said about researching, um, kind of maybe contradicting, contradicting it, but not getting lost in the research as well. So yes, you know, get as much information as you can, but don't let it hold you back that you're not ready to do things until you've read every single book. Um, unless that's your style, which it might be some people, I, I think it's still, still a witchcraft practice. If all you ever do is read and you never set intentions, you never cast a spell, you just want to read about it. That's okay too. Um, but yeah, not, but you know, not holding yourself from doing what you want to do in your practice because you don't feel like you're ready or you've learned enough or you've practiced enough or anything like that. So, so for next week's episode, Erica and I will be looking at the six of wands and this card is, is about pride, victory, reward, and accomplishment. So it's about wanting to receive recognition for the things you've done, wanting to be praised and have people tell you that you've done a good job. Um, it's also how that contributes to your feeling of accomplishment and being the center of attention, um, whether you enjoy being the center of attention or not. It's about taking taking that praise and and allowing other people to congratulate you and being proud of yourself. Um, and sometimes it's even about like feeling superior to other people based on the things that you've done. So we'll be looking for examples of that in our daily lives this week and maybe stories from the past as well. Um, and I hope that you all will do that as well. Look for examples of six of wands showing up in your life. And if you do, feel free to share a voicemail with us at we listen at talkwitchcraft.com so that we can play it on our next episode. You can share the six of wands or any of the other cards that we have done so far, or, you know, any card if you want. If there's another card that's shown up in your life, we'll probably get to it eventually. You can find out more about this episode by going to mumblesandthings.com slash blog slash zero two nine. Join us next week when we talk about gratitude practices and generosity. 
And make sure that you have subscribed to Talk Witchcraft so that you are notified about each new episode and help other people other witches find this show please leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts you can also find us on instagram at mumbles and things and join us in the mumbles academy to chat about this episode with other witchy folk goodbye we'll see you next week bye